Sanbonani Bagheti. Let me say before I start to preach, we welcome everyone of you who's visiting with us today here in Pinville and in all our other branches. And we welcome those of you who are with us on social media. We know that some of you might be at work and uh, you may be in a space where you can't be with us. But we do want to welcome everybody. Secondly, let me say how proud I am of all of you, Bazalon. Big time. Big time. I think as things unfold in the world, it's the more we'll realize how decisive we must be, unapologetic we must be, to make a stance of our faith and our belief and unapologetically support the things we do and stand up for the gospel that we believe. I think you should give yourselves a hand and everybody who's in the other streaming branches. Things are going to get more tough in the world. People who sit on the fence will not be able to survive. And those who are not radical about what they believe will never make it. We're going to have to go all out, Barcelona, to truly embrace the full tenets of what we believe. And that if it is an issue that has to do with the remembrance of what our faith is, if it means us meeting together, we will take time of work. We will close down our businesses to be here together. Gone are those days, Barcelona, when our Christian events are supported week, in a weak way. Gone are those days. I'm prophesying. I said I'm prophesying. That we're going to see God's children turn out in their numbers. In their thousands to support. And what I like, it's the mixture we have of young and old. It's only that, of course, today it's, it's school time. We would have even more young people. But we do them have them here in attendance. And so, once more again, I, and I know it's tautology, I want to repeat it again for the second time. <laughs> Give yourselves a big hand for being here. I think you should. Amen. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead and ascend to heaven, then our faith would be in vain. Because everything about the reality of what he stood for hung around not only his resurrection, but his ascension. When he ascended, it flipped the page of history and brought in a new era. An era particularly for those who would be followers of Christ. We read in Acts chapter 1 from verse 1 to 11, a letter wrote for a ruler by the name of Theophilus who was very interested to know about the things that had happened historically about Christ and about the happenings of the move of God. And I'm reading the New American Standard Bible and it reads as follows. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these, Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, 
appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking to them concerning the things of the kingdom of God. So Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he did uh, go up to heaven and, and uh, rather he did uh, meet with his disciples and explain to them the things of the kingdom of God. Verse 4, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard of from me. For John baptized you with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wow. So when they were come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, will you at this time be restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said, look, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up or he ascended. While they were looking on and a cloud received him out of their sight and as they were gazing intently into the sky, whilst he was going, behold, Two men in white clothing stood beside them and they said, men of Galilee, why are you standing and looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way. And as you've watched him go into heaven. Can I hear a good amen? amen. We read a similar story in Luke 24, written by Luke, only a few verses, four verses, verse 50. He led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Wow. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. The ascension of Jesus Christ that word ascension simply means him going back to heaven, to the Father. But this time around, when he goes back into heaven, he goes into heaven, though he was seen physically, the body he had was a resurrected body. This is the same bodies that you and I will one day have, resurrected body. It's interesting that this resurrected body could be seen by physical people on earth. In this resurrected body, he could still eat food. But through this resurrected body, he could come into rooms whose doors and windows were locked and he would walk through the wall. It's very interesting that this resurrected body seemed not to have blood but it's flesh and bones because he said to Judas, uh, to, to Thomas, come and touch me. Flesh and bones, you will feel. I'm not a ghost. But he didn't mention blood. So this physical body, this resurrected body, you can touch it with your physical body and your human body. But somehow this resurrected body 
can be able to transition and exist in the physical world and in the spiritual world. It can kind of traverse between the two worlds and it can relate with the two worlds. In fact, just to even, I don't want to confuse you, but I want to excite you even more. It is with the same resurrected bodies that we will see the same thing happen. Remember, you and I, we were not created for heaven. We were created for earth. Because when you read Revelation, there comes a time when God will bring down everything back here, down on earth. It will be a new earth and a new heaven. And we come down in the same resurrected body and we can traverse between the two worlds. Same body you'll have. This resurrected body, though it had been killed, has resurrection life in it. And this resurrected body cannot be put down by sickness and disease. The sting of death has been broken over this resurrected body. And Jesus ascends into heaven in this resurrected body. He was able to spend about 40 days with his disciples, telling them about the things of the kingdom. But most importantly, he left the best for last. Because you all know, if you have a very important message, you always leave it for last just before you go. And because you want people, if they forget everything else, let them remember the last thing I told them. And just before he left, he tells them, please, before you go out and become my witnesses, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Because not many days from hence you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John baptized you with water unto baptism. But you remember he said you'll be baptized not many days from hence by the Holy Spirit. Go and wait before you go. And so Jesus then opens and flips a new page of history. That these men and women who used to watch Jesus move in the power of the Spirit. And they could just watch they could just be witnesses. They could only operate in a limited way in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now they are the ones who from now onwards will operate in the same power. As a matter of fact, he says to them, when I go, you will go in my place. You will be, operate, you will be able to operate in everything that I operated in. But you've got to have what I had on me. What changed me is when I came out of the waters of baptism. When I was baptized by John and he baptized me. When I came out of those waters, there's a change that happened. Because prior to that, if you read everything about Jesus, though he was the son of God, though he was fully the Messiah, but before the Holy Spirit came upon him, he operated as an ordinary person. He lived as an ordinary person. But when the Spirit came upon him, he was turned into another man. And from that time, he operated in powers they never knew. He was so different. This guy who was a carpenter, instead of making coffins, he was raising people from the dead. This guy who could take five loaves of fish and five loaves of bread and two fish and multiply it. This guy who could open the eyes of the blind and stop the ears of the people. This guy who could almost read people's minds. Who could preach in such a way that his words were with power. He was so different. 
He had wisdom that they couldn't fathom. And now he's saying, you're going to start operating just like me. Jesus, when he went up to heaven, it fulfilled and completed the cycle that he had come to fulfill the cycle of the Father's will that he had come to do. Had he done everything and never went up to heaven, the cycle wouldn't be complete. That's why in John 16, 27 to 28, he says, For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and you have believed that I came from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and I go to the Father. In other words, I'm completing the cycle. I'm done. I've completed my work. The cycle is done. And so this ascension, therefore, was the crowning culmination of his ministry on earth. Now, a new era of another one who would come into the earth has been introduced. No longer will it be Jesus in his physical body. It will be another personality called the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit would come into a new era. In this era of the dispensation of grace, the Holy Spirit would come and operate on the earth and that is why we need to familiarize yourself, ourselves with this person called the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't familiarize ourselves with the Holy Spirit, we will not fully be able to leverage what this era brings for us. The Son of Man, therefore, the Son of God, therefore, became the Son of Man in the incarnation, taking upon himself a body of flesh and blood, and then he returned to heaven with the same virgin-born, crucified, resurrected, glorified body. He came from heaven as God becoming man. But he returned to heaven as a God-man. In descending from heaven in the incarnation, he didn't cease to be God. And in ascending to heaven in the ascension, he did not cease to be man. He's 100% God, 100% man, perfect mediator between God and man. He can understand the problems of mankind and he can also understand the righteous demands of a holy God. Perfect mediator. He's the one who lived on earth, got to see what we go through down here on earth. He faced rejection and dejection from people. People lying about him, doing all kinds of things. And therefore when we pray and we say, Lord, I'm rejected, he feels you. Oh, he can feel you because he's been there. He understands what it is like. He faced the reality of being human and the human limitations that surround us. And when you come to him with your human limitations, he fully understands. But at the same time, he is fully God. He understands the full demands of a holy God. And so today, at the Godhead, the one who is seated as King of kings and Lord of lords, he's a God-man. It's a man who sits in the Godhead today. No wonder 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 tells us about this mystery. He says, for there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. No, what it says, the man, the man, the man, the man, the man, the man. 
Christ Jesus. Verse 6, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. But at the same time, Jesus, again, the Bible tells us, he is the surety of what will become. In other words, see, when you buy something, somewhere they give you a guarantee. (laughs) And this guarantee says, uh, guaranteed for a year or for two years. If it gets broken, you can come back, get a new one. Because we know what we made. Jesus became our guarantee. How? He went ahead of us. He became our forerunner. Remember, others who went to heaven before, they went to heaven, really they went to a place called paradise. Hunter, hunter. Paradise was like the temporal pit stop for the saints who believed in Jehovah God. Paradise is what the, 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 the Lazarus or the story of Lazarus and the, the rich man, what Jesus calls the bosom of Abraham. It's like a, 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 an ultra city type. You haven't arrived, but you're on the way there. Mara House of Italy. Mara, you're the right candidate. Before Jesus went up to heaven, the spirits of the deceased were stored temporarily at a pit stop called Abraham's bosom or paradise. But you see, when he rose from the dead, the Bible says he took captivity captive. He went there to paradise and got all the spirits of the deceased and took them up to heaven because remember, nobody could see God without being justified by the blood of Jesus yet. So when he rose from the dead, he first went to paradise and declared to them, guys, it's done. I've died for all of you. You you believed in me in faith before I came. Now here I am. The blood has been given and it takes them to heaven. In fact, when you read the book of Psalms, there's a Psalm David writes. When you listen to this psalm, it's almost like the song that the saints were singing when they were marching on from the bosom of Abraham into heaven. Lift up your heads, all you gates. All be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Who will come in? The King of glory. Let the King of glory come in. The Lord God Almighty. He is the King of glory. You can almost hear them singing these poems and reciting these things as they came out of the bosom of Abraham. And now they're going into heaven. And they can get into heaven now because the blood of Jesus has flowed on the cross. The only blood that could open a door for heaven. And so Jesus then becomes our forerunner. So in my father's house there are many mansions. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Hebrews 6.20 says, Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. See, the other priests in the Old Testament, the priests who went behind the veil into the Holy of Holies, because they were human, they, they would die, they would be changed, and another one has to come in. Mararuna, we only have one high priest. He is an eternal one and he's gone, he's gone into the veil. When you study the scriptures pertaining to his descending and ascending ministry of Christ, 
It shows that he descended from heaven to earth and ascended from earth to heaven, both in spirit and in body. He defied the laws of gravity because he was moving in a higher law. Because the minute you operate at that level, you operate in a higher law. So we learn that between the resurrection of Christ and the actual ascension, there were about 40 days of post-resurrection and pre-ascension ministry. So today is that 40th day after Jesus died. Let's give you a few facts about his resurrection. I'm going to come, his ascension rather. And I'm going to count them quickly. What, about, what are the facts concerning his ascension? Number one, it was foretold by the prophets. It was foretold by the prophets. Prophets talked about it. Psalm 68 verse 18, you have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Isn't it amazing when Paul writes, many decades later, he borrows from this when he writes in Ephesians chapter 4. It says it was he who ascended on high and he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Already in the book of Psalms, there was a declaration that there comes a time when men and women would receive gifts. And these gifts that we are reading about, it's a broad field of gifts, starting first with the fivefold ministry gifts as we find in Ephesians, 5, Ephesians 4. Am I confusing you? I'm not confusing you, right? Okay, yeah. Says it's ever sticky these days. I said it's a All right, yeah. I, some of you didn't get what I said. And so it was foretold that Jesus would ascend. And in his ascension, he would give gifts to men. Watch, Barcelona. When Jesus ascended, he took us his, of his fullness and he distributed it among men. When you read in the epistle of John, it says that Jesus had the spirit without measure. In other words, he had the fullness of the spirit upon him. The fullness of all gifts and all abilities lay in him. So he was the fullness of everything. But when he ascended, right, he took off his fullness and distributed it among us. To one, he gave to be apostles, to another prophets, to another evangelist, pastors and teachers. And then you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, to one, he gave the gift of tongues, and to the other one, the interpretation of tongues, to other one, the word of wisdom, and he gave all kinds of gifts. You read Romans chapter 12, to others he made administrators, to others he made teachers, to others he took out. Oh, am, am I preaching to people around? He took off his fullness. So that none of us can be complete without the other. You want to see the full picture of who he is? You want to have the full impact of who Jesus is? Bring us together. That's what I was talking about this morning, about unity. Bring us together. And this is why the devil will fight us to try and be independent from one another. Because in all of us lays the residue of who Jesus is. In all of us individually. In all of us as well as different denominations. You go to the Methodists, they carry a portion of him. You go to Grace Bible Church, they carry a portion of him. You go to Assemblies of God, they carry a portion of him. You go to the Lutheran Church, they carry a portion of him. And so when we work together, then you can see the fullness of who he is. 
Oh, we are like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. If you, if, you, if you take those pieces and put them together, but listen, to be able to see the full picture, every piece must be where it belongs. So we must play our part as a piece of the jigsaw puzzle. It's almost like him sending workers into his garden. And he allots portions and pieces of the garden. And he says to Grace Bible Church, you work in that corner there. So Grace Bible Church has to plow. They have to water. They have to take the weeds out. They have to do something so that God's garden can be complete. And so when he ascended, he distributed of his fullness and gave it to us. Psalms 110 verse 1. We're talking about what was foretold by the prophets. It reads, the Lord said to my Lord. <laughs> the Lord said to my Lord. Sit at my right hand. Number two, Jesus himself foretold that he would be ascending. In John 16, 27, 28, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and you have believed that I came from God. He says, I came forth from the Father and I've come into the world. Again, I will leave the world and I'll go to the Father. In John 20, 16 to 18, Jesus said to him, Mary, she turned to him and said, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended. I have not yet ascended. I have not yet ascended to my father, but I go to my brother and go to my brother and my brother. And the language has changed. It doesn't say go to the disciples. It says go to my brother and why? Mamelang, let, let me give you, let me give you, let me give you, let me give you an insight there. Why are we his brethren? But before he said my disciples, now he's saying my brethren. Bible says Jesus is the firstborn, 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 firstborn from the dead. And if you have firstborn, you'll have secondborn and thirdborn. He is our firstborn elder brother. Born drunk. No, not by flesh, but born in the spirit. When Jesus died, he carried your sin and my sin into his spirit. And he died in his spirit and he went down to hell because that's where dead people go. People who are dead in their spirits, who have no relationship with God. When they die, they go into hell. But he went into hell for a crime he never committed, for a wrong that he never committed. So on the third day, God decided, I'm going to justify my son. And God sent the power of the Holy Spirit to go all the way down into the citadels of the damned, all the way down into the headquarters of hell itself. And when the Holy Spirit came right there into the headquarters of hell, he resurrected Jesus. He made his spirit to be born again. He gave him life again. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was made alive in his spirit. And the Bible says it is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It is the same spirit that raised you from the dead. He was the firstborn. I don't know what number I am. He is our firstborn brother. And now he calls us brethren, 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 because it's in the sea where Songke, we know what new life is. You are my brother. Can I hear a shout from, from all of you? He says, he says, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren. <laughs> Say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. <laughs> to my God and your God. Ah, I didn't tell you change it, Lejoale. 
He's my God. Mary Magdalene came, told the disciples that he had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things. Number three, it was recorded in the, by the New Testament writers that he would ascend. And most of them use various expressions to, de- to describe his ascension. And I'm going to quickly run through that. Mark, in Mark 16, 19, he says he was received up into heaven. Luke, in Luke 24, verse 50, he said, it says, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Look, if I'm going too fast, you'll get it on our, on our, on our website. Can I hearing, Bishop Simon, can I hearing, on our website says, Bishop Simon, help me, help me, they told me, Bishop, Bishop's notes, so if you get onto our website, ne, ne, on our website, there's a, there's a, get pop-up, is it a pop-up? There's a tab. There's a tab there airing Bishop's Notes, right? So if you click on Bishop's Notes, you will find this sermon right there today. So if you miss anything, and I'm telling the people at the back, leave a poster once. I don't want them to go ahead of me. All right, so you can click on Bishop's Notes, okay? So you'll find it there. I'm a straight you, you know, you know, you know how much, you know how long it takes to, to prepare these sermons, brother. You want you want to try some of this, my friend? It will take you six months. Yeah. So make it worth it, Bazalana. Read and study it. Know your faith. Tell your name, but stop ngingizing. You must know what you believe. Yeah. Luke says he would be received out of their sight. Jesus himself said he would ascend. In John 14, and then he would depart in John 16. You'll see those verses. Stephen saw him, saw Jesus standing in heaven. When he was stoned, he saw Jesus standing in heaven. John himself, in Revelations 1:10, saw the risen and the ascended Lord in heaven. In Revelations 1, 10 and 11, it says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, Right. Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smitha, Pergium, Tiatira, Sardis, and Philadelphia. Chapter 4, 1 and 2. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet, speaking with me, come up here and I will show you what must happen. And John talks about him. Now watch. Jesus ascends and he goes up as a king. Jesus died for our sins, was raised from the dead. But even if this happens, his earthly ministry didn't stop there. After his resurrection, he taught his disciples about the kingdom of God, as we've read. And he was taken up into heaven, which we can call his exaltation. So several things we need to therefore note about his ascension and his exaltation. Number one, he continues to work even after his ascension. It's very important to note the wording in Acts chapter 1 when it writes in the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do. Jesus began to do, began to do. It's important to note that small word began. It signals that his ascension doesn't mark the cessation of his work. His work continues. Now it continues as him 
being the Lord and the Messiah. In other words, rightfully speaking, when we read the book of Acts, many people call it the Acts of the Apostles. But many theologians argue that it's not the Acts of the Apostles, but it is the Acts of the risen Lord. Or it is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus still working on earth. He's in heaven, but his ministry continues down on earth. On earth now, he is working through his people. On earth now, he is working by the Holy Spirit. And he continues to accomplish his purpose. So that's the first thing. The first thing is, we need to know therefore about his ascension, is that he continues to work after his ascension. Secondly, the ascended Lord therefore sent the Holy Spirit to his people. He said in Luke 24, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. In verse 49, stay in the city until, until, until you are clothed with power from on high. When Peter preached in his sermon on Pentecost, he connects what was happening on that time as he was preaching. He says and explains, but therefore, exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourself are seeing and hearing. That's Acts 2.33. So Peter is pointing out at what was happening in Pentecost. He says, Labona, this, this is what he was talking about. So in other words, he's saying what God promised through the mouth of Jewel, what was repeated through the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see it here being manifested. Therefore, this ascended Lord has sent the Spirit. Like he told us, he will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. He sent the Spirit for a number of reasons. Number one, like he said in John 14, 16, he sent the Spirit to be present with his people. So the Holy Spirit is with you all the time. Wherever you go, he's with you. He's there. He accompanies you. He's with you. Number two, he sends the Holy Spirit, secondly, to be inside of the believers, to empower them in their mission. As he mentions in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. So Jesus received the Holy Spirit. Not only is the Holy Spirit with you, but he's inside of you. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we have been given the ability to do the things that we do. If we were not for the power of the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be doing what we are doing. Remember this, Barcelona. Jesus said, the works that I do, shall you do also. And greater works than this shall you do. Why, Jesus? Because I go to my Father. What's the connection between the going to the Father and us being able to do the works that he did? He's simply saying, look, I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can't be empowered by the Holy Spirit now when you talk to his disciples because you are not yet born again. I haven't yet died. I've not yet been crucified. I have not yet been raised from the dead. But that time will come when you will be born again. You will be my brethren. And then I will make sure that you receive the same power that I received. And if you receive the same power that I received, you'll be able to do the same things that I did. Not only the same things that I did, but even greater works than what I did, you will do. Can I hear a good amen in that? And so it's important for us. And I was thinking about it. We'll do a little bit more on it. To start talking fully about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Starting first with how the Holy Spirit empowers you as a believer. Yeah. 
We need to have people who fully participate in the reality of it. So that you have a true experiential knowledge. Because this is the era of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going up and I'll receive the Spirit and I'll send him down to you because I have ascended. Thirdly, the ascended Lord sent the Spirit as well to transform our lives into new lives that reflect their King. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9 to 11, and 2 Corinthians 3, 18, maybe I want to read those ones. I don't know if at the back they're able to show those verses. Romans 8, 9 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Keep going, please. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. That was good. Now it disappeared, the verse. Ah, uh, forgive. All right. Show me 2 Corinthians 3.18, if that's what you're looking for. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and I'll read it for you. Okay. This thing. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. In other words, the presence of the Spirit in our lives brings us to that place where we are transformed into the fullness of who He is. Can I hear an amen? amen. Thirdly, Jesus Christ sent the Spirit among us. And number three, His ascension into heaven. Oh, it's number three. No, you can't say number four. Oh, class. Oh, oh, oh. Number one, Jesus continues to work after the ascension. That's number one. Number two, the ascended Lord Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to his people. Right? And maybe I should have said A, to be present with his people. B, to empower them for worldwide mission. C, to transform the believers to live a new life. No, I'm going to D. Then number three. Remember, number two has sub points. Two A, B, C. Then I'm going to point number three. You can't argue with me with the notes that I prepared. <laughs> Lily, see you. How? Are we all together? Number three. Jesus' ascension into his... Jesus' ascension, rather, is his heavenly enthronement as a king. In other words, Jesus' ascension, at his ascension, he is installed as the seated prophet, the seated priest, the seated king, and the seated judge of the world. He's enthroned. He's king of kings. As prophet, he is the word and the truth of God. As priest, he is the reconciler, mediator, advocate, and intercessor. As king, he's the ruler, governor of the universe. As judge, he is the discerner and rewarder of all mankind. Most of all, as Lord, he is the enthroned, exalted God-man. Yeah. 
Worthy of all praise. Worthy of all adoration. Worthy of all worship. That's why when we recite the Apostles' Creed, one of the lines we says we believe that he ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He's the king of kings whose kingdom cannot be destroyed. Kingdoms will come and go. Kings and rulers will come and go. But Jesus will remain forever. He is a king whose kingdom keeps coming. In other words, try to destroy it, it grows more. Try to stop it, it advances more. Try to talk against it, it just gains more momentum. There's nothing that you can do to stop it. When you read in the New Testament, there's a time when the rulers of the day took hold of the apostles. Peter and John, after they had raised that man at the gate of beautiful, and they brought him, and, they, and, and because of the way people were excited, the religious leaders arrested them and brought them before the Sanhedrin. And they wanted to stop them. They wanted to, to, to block them. And one of them was wise. He said, hey, 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 before it. If these people, what they're preaching, is not from God, it will die a natural death. Mara. If it is from God, you're only going to make it worse by trying to stop it. Yeah. You see, you read history, you'll know that there's always been times in the world where the church was criticized. I talk about the church universally. Where it looked like evil was ruling. Wrong was on the increase. It was like the voice of God is quiet. I always tell people, <laughs> remember what happened in Egypt. When the children of Israel were moaning and crying, when they thought God's not listening anymore, God had Moses in Midian. That's the way he works. When things seem to be dead and quiet, that's when God is most dangerous. Now you're not hearing me, Bazala. You see, our God doesn't react to problems. Uh -uh. Our God knows everything. So God prepares things even before problems are problems. There's already an answer. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, God didn't put his hands on his head and said, what am I going to do now? The Bible says Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. So in other words, even before a problem is a problem, God already has the solution for it. And if you understood that, you wouldn't struggle and you wouldn't panic when you're going through problems because Jesus, the ascended Lord, the ascended King, He has your life in His hands. When God told Abraham, Abraham to go and sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah, as Abraham was going up the mountain on the one end, to go and sacrifice his son on the other side of the mountain. There was, there was, there was a sacrificial lamb going up the mountain at the same time. I'm telling to tell somebody, God has made provision for you. 
Why? Because he's the king of all ages. He's the king of all seasons. He is the king of your life today, yesterday, and forever. He is the king who rules on earth and he rules in heaven and he rules under the earth. He covers everything. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginner. He is the end. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. Can I hear a shout it out? Yeah. That's who he is. So his kingdom cannot be destroyed. His kingdom will not pass away. Go back in history and see people who've tried to stop the church. Historical facts. Go back in history and try to read reports of those who tried to silence the church. Because this kingdom is ruled by another king. He's a king who is a prophet and a priest and a lord. He's a king who traverses between the natural and the spiritual. He's a king who understands men and understands God fully. He's a king filled with compassion, filled with power but whose eyes can destroy anything. And his kingdom will never end. And if we knew that, we would be more inspired to spread the message of this kingdom. If we knew that, we wouldn't be afraid of demonic powers. I've got to close, Barcelona. If we knew that, we wouldn't compromise the message of this kingdom. Note, the act of sitting down suggests a finished work. Jesus is saying, I've conquered Satan and his power. I'm sitting down now. We are not fighting the devil. We are enforcing his defeat. The devil was defeated 2,000 years ago. The only reason he does what he does is because we opened a door and we didn't know. If you shut the door and you stand your ground, he has to just get because he knows he is a defeated foe. Oh yeah. Jesus is seated because his work is done and he's entrusting us here on earth to complete what he has started. Hey, let me not go that direction. So his kingdom cannot be destroyed. According to Revelation 3.21, Jesus conquered and sat down with his father on his throne and there he receives an ending praise. Number four. Jesus' ascension is his return to his father. He did say it in John 16. I came from my father into the world. Now I'm going to leave you and go back into the world, into my, to my father. I don't think there was any more sweeter reunion in the history of the world. 
than the return of Jesus to his father. He came down on earth for 33 and a half years doing his father's will. But then on the earth, it ends on a bitter note on surface level. He ends with the words on the cross. The last hours before he passes, my father, my father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? None of that had ever happened in eternity past. That God and his son would be separated. Never had it happened in the history of the Godhead that God would be separate from God. But now, when he ascends, he goes back to his father. Hopefully in eternity, God will show us the party that happened in heaven when that reunion came. Jesus had fully accomplished his mission. Comes back. He has glorified his father on earth. As he prayed in John 17, I've glorified you on earth. I've done what you told me. Now I'm coming back home. You can almost hear the heart of Jesus at this homecoming celebration. And he even declares, I'm preparing the way for our homecoming. And I'm preparing the way for you as well. I'm going home, but you'll follow me soon. In John 14, 2 and 3 says, in my father's house. Oh, there are many mentions. Arabic house are mentioned. Mentions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Because so that where I am, you'll be with me as well. Number five, he ascended as the Lord Jesus Christ, as our heavenly mediator, high priest, and intercessor. He's a unique mediator between God and man. A mediator is one who goes between two groups of persons, helps them work out their differences so as to come to an agreement. And he's up there sorting things out for us. That's A. I was wind. B. I was wind. Jesus is our high priest. The role of a high priest is to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. So the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus secured for us forgiveness, justification, reconciliation from God. And this is why today, if you are in Christ, Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. You have the right of approach. You have a right to walk into the throne room of grace. And Paul says, come boldly. Come boldly. Look at your neighbor and say, come boldly. No, it's not because of what I've done. It's because of what he has done. It says, come boldly. It's not the throne of judgment. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace. 
No longer is a throne that sentences you to death. It's not a throne where you have to be so afraid that the king may change his mind and say, kill him. But it's a different kind of throne. It's a throne that is looking how to make things work for you. Come and receive, receive, receive and find grace in a time of need. Hallelujah. Jesus is also, see, he's our intercessor. He's interceding for his people as our true high priest. Romans 8.34, he makes intercession. Hebrews 7.25, he lives to make intercession. Hebrews 4.15, he is touched by our infirmity. And finally, during his earthly ministry, his work was geographically limited. If he's in Jerusalem, he can't be in Samaria. And if he's in Israel, he cannot be in Ethiopia. During his earthly ministry, he was limited. But now, Ujesu is everywhere. Everywhere in the person of the Holy Spirit. And everywhere inside his agents who are his children. He's at work everywhere. And he's able to hear and respond to his people's prayers. At that time, they had to come to him in person, one person at a time. Now, he's in heaven. He can listen to the millions and billions of prayer requests. Listen, Barcelona. And he can hear your voice distinctly as though it's only you and him alone. Oh! He knows you by name. He knows your address. He knows who you are. He knows your problems. He knows your challenges. Even if he's listening to a billion, trillion, many others, he treats you as an individual and he calls you by name and he deals with you as an individual. Now his ministry is much more. If the princes of this world knew what they were doing, when they were crucifying the Lord of glory, they wouldn't have done it. They crucified him thinking they're stopping his ministry. They crucify him thinking that they're destroying him. But it is in killing him that he multiplied. Like a seed that is thrown into the ground, it dies, but it comes up as many more seeds. And that he ascended. It means his presence is everywhere. Now he's at work everywhere. He's able to hear everyone. He's able to respond to every person, no matter what time. You know, we live in different time zones in the world. People in the east are ahead of us. When they go to bed and sleep, God is aware of them that it's night time at them. And when we are awake, so it doesn't matter what time, he's listening to everybody. It doesn't matter what season, he's listening to everybody. It doesn't matter what language, he's listening to everybody. It doesn't matter what age, he is listening to everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female, he is listening to everybody. It doesn't matter what language you use, he is listening to everybody. And it doesn't matter who you are, he singles you out as an individual and talks to you only one in jet car. 
Whereas at the time of prayer, you're not the only one praying. You're not the only one talking to him. He can talk to this one in China. He can talk to that one in Australia. He can talk to that one in America. All at the same time. Can I hear a good amen in the house? By killing him, they thought they're stopping him. But they made it worse. And that is why when they try to stop you, they make it worse. Make it worse. And so today as we close, I want you to remember his ascension completed his earthly ministry. His ascension signified he's enthroned. And his ascension empowered us to be in his place. Not to be the same as Jesus to die on the cross, but to fulfill his mission. And one of the ways we can fulfill his mission completely is for us to allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives. And I'm trusting that in the coming weeks we will talk a lot more about the work of the Holy Spirit and talk more about what he wants to do in our lives. But right now, Jesus is reigning as king. He remains active. And because he is our reigning king, we need to live boldly, confidently, strategically, as servants of the exalted king. We need to live as those who know we are laborers together and our labor is not in vain and for those who are suffering take heart Jesus is not indifferent to your struggle he has endured great suffering he is the most merciful sympathetic counselor and the most understanding mediator take your cares to your ascended Lord who hears your prayers and he can respond with heavenly authority but even most of all, that he has been ascended and is up in heaven. It gives us of a hope of a glorious future. Because there comes a day when all of us will leave this earth. There comes a day when our story on earth and the book on earth will be closed. And everything will be signed off and said it is the end. And we'll ascend up to heaven and be there. And all nations of the world will gather. And in that day, we will know the truth of things that have been done covertly, underground, lies that have been told. We will understand clearly. As the book of Corinthians says, then we will know as we are known, and everything that was secret will be revealed. And it is in that day where the king, the judge of all the earth, will bring about justice, where injustice will be abolished, sufferings will be abolished, Death will be destroyed. This is a day when we will see our loved ones, those who have gone before us. This is a day when we will understand why we suffered the way we suffered. We will understand things that have not been clear to us. This is a day when, again, he will come to us and he will reward us for what we've done. And he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This is a day when his glory will fill our hearts and we will be in his presence forever and forever. 
This is the day where we all will be equal before him in this world of inequality. This is a day where all those who are struggling, your struggles will be no more. This is a day that even those who died and we didn't understand what caused their death, we will understand what happened. But we won't be talking about any pain anymore because all the attention will be based on him. King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus, our ascended Lord, our exalted Lord, the ancient of days. And we will worship him forever and forever. Shall we bow our heads as we pray? Oh, bless your name. Oh, bless your name. Bless your name. God, as your spirit moves in this house, I know you've sent the Holy Spirit to continue the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are here in the person of the Holy Spirit to embrace, love, forgive, open the eyes of those who don't know the truth. You're here by your power to heal, deliver, set free. We've talked about your ascension. And oh God, I don't know if you're looking over the balconies of heaven and looking down upon this service now as we do our best to remind these your loved ones that you are the ascended Lord. And your presence fills us in this house. Even now. Let your Lordship be evident upon every form of malady, pain, sickness, disease, which I call out now. Every sickness healed Every disease healed. Every chain of bondage broken. In the name of Jesus. Pray that you comfort those who mourn. Strengthen those who are destitute. Give hope. To those whose hearts feel listless and hopeless. Oh God, where vision has died, inspire it again. Would you by your spirit, God, put your arms around this, your child, today. Let them know that they are the apple of your eye and you never leave them and you never forsake them. Renew those who need renewing. Revive those who need reviving. Let times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Fill with the Holy Spirit those who need to be filled. Touch the lives of your people. Even as we sit under this canopy of glory, let your presence fill us. Fill us. Fill us. Fill us. Oh God.